Hey there, friend. Welcome to the Boutique Workshop Podcast. I'm your host, Sierra Stockland. A former boutique owner myself, I love nothing more than chatting with you about all things boutique business. Each week, I'll tackle a new business concept and help break it down into bite-sized, actionable steps that will give you the confidence to build a profitable business. Now, let's get started. Hey, welcome to the Boutique Workshop Podcast. I am your host, Sierra, and I am so excited to be here with you today. We're going to be really talking about something a little different than we typically do. It's not going to be numbers focused. In fact, we're not going to be talking about inventory or margin. We're going to talk about the Ironman today, but don't leave me. Hang out. I don't want you to leave because I do have some amazing lessons that I recently learned from the Ironman that I competed in on October 9th in Texas that I think apply so well to small business. And um, while you may never do an Ironman yourself, in fact, you may never run a race or do a triathlon, I think you will find some valuable insight and lessons here today as I walk through my Ironman Texas race report with you, what I learned and um, how the day shaped out. So thanks again for joining me today. We're going to dig right in and we're going to be talking about the race report from Ironman Texas. All right. So I raced my first Ironman It'll be a little over a week ago now, which is crazy. Time goes by so fast. Um, October 9th in the Woodlands, Houston, Texas. And um, I had signed up for this Ironman about a little over four months ago now. So I had a a 16-week training plan. Signed up because some good friends of ours who have done a couple Ironmans um, had really been encouraging me and in fact um, had been really pushing me to do an Ironman for the last year and a half or so and actually probably two years now. And I was like, no way. I am a 5k girl. I run fast. I run quick. I get it over with. Um, That's my style. I could never see myself riding bike for six hours and training seven days a week, six days a week. Um, and so I said, no, you know, that's great. I'm going to support you guys. It's just not for me. Endurance sports, not, not going to happen. Well, my husband competed in his first Ironman, which was something he had wanted to do since a child. Um, and he competed in May. And when I went and watched his Ironman, um, day in Tulsa, which is where he competed, uh, first of all, I thought to myself, if he can do it, and if everyone here on this course can do it, I can do this too. And that seed of, I need to push myself to just be a little different, to get out of my comfort zone, started to grow um, into a small bud in my mind. And then as I really thought about, you know, um, I'm in my mid forties now and I've done a lot in business. I've built, I've grown, I've lost, I've sold, I've built again. I need something that can push me out of my comfort zone. I want something that can be relatable to my boutique um, member clients to the clients that I work with. I want to challenge myself in a way that I have never challenged myself before. Um, I decided to, to jump in and to take on the task of preparing and training for an Ironman. So 
signed up. I, I wanted to find a flat course because I am from North Dakota and, um, you know, it's flat here, it's flat, it's windy. And, um, and I needed something that would be similar to, you know, what I'm used to. So there's a lot of different Ironman options all over the country, all over the world, actually. So I took a look at the courses and, and settled on Texas because they are flat. So it would be a flat bike and a flat run, which is what I wanted and what I preferred. So um, that was in October. And so I said, okay, well, let's do it. Let's dive in. And so I, um, trained, um, I, you know, hired a couple coaches, which I'm going to talk about later as one of the lessons I learned that you can relate to your small business. I got the right tools in my toolbox, the right equipment. Um, another lesson I want to share with you, but the first lesson that I have here today, before we talk through what the day was like, um, as I walk through my race report is this. When I said that I was going to do an Ironman and I, I posted about it in my boutique workshop membership group, our Facebook community, um, I got a lot of like, this is awesome girl. We believe in you. We want to follow you. We'll be there cheering you on, which was great. I mean, it was so fun to see that, but what I saw the day before the week of the day after the week after here, um, in my community has completely blown my mind. The support is amazing. Um, one of my gals, in fact, my assistant put together this awesome post in our paid community, which if you're not part of the boutique workshop, you are really missing out. This is a community like you've never been a part of before. It's amazing. So the members are just so, we always say we're forward moving. We are innovative thinkers. We are positive minded women that are building businesses. And um, my assistant put together this thread the day before for me to read where everyone could post something for me, an encouraging word. And I was crying. You guys, I was sitting, um, in the house that we rented there in the Texas the night before my race, reading these and crying. I could not believe how much people cared about what I was doing. And I mentioned this to my husband. I was like, it's amazing to me to see that the women in my community, you know, I, I mentioned this the day or a couple of days after the race that the women in my community followed my race all day. Like they posted, they cared, they were, like invested in my day. I mean, I just blows my mind. And he said something that I want to share with you. This is the first lesson today. He said, they're invested in you, Sierra, because you are invested in them. Think about that. You guys, he said, they're invested in you because you have been, and you are invested in them. When we struggle in our business with self-doubt, when we wonder if we can price things just a little bit higher, if people will shop with us, even though someone opened across the street and is going to be carrying the same product. When we have those thoughts, we need to go back to this first lesson today that when we invest in our customers, they want to invest in us. The women in the boutique workshop cared about my race that day, wanted to send me words of encouragement, watched me as I made my way through, you know, the Ironman day there in Texas, because I watch their businesses. I watch and encourage them when they open. I care about shopping with them whenever I'm local in their communities. I care about their success. I ask how they're doing, right? Like that's the culture that we've created inside the boutique workshop. I do invest in care in my clients, 
And so they were invested in my day, whether or not they'd ever run a race, ever had run a race or even athletically inclined didn't matter. They cared about what was going on in my life because I care about what's going on in theirs. And that's something I want you to take away as our first lesson today on the podcast. I want you to think about that, that the clients you have want to purchase from you because you care about them. And so if you want to set yourself up for success and be different than any other boutique on the block or any of your competition online, you need to go back to how can you learn to invest in your clients? How can you get to know them? How can you get to have those conversations with them about what's going on in their life, what their body image looks like, how you can be, you know, part of their success story, if you will, through the product that you're selling them. And it doesn't matter if you're brick and mortar or if you're online, you can find ways to invest and be invested in your clients' lives. So this was the first um, takeaway that I had, and it just blew my mind. It was so amazing. So started off race morning, um, you know, bright and early, not even bright and early. It was dark, actually. Um, got to the race, um, the first transition, and um, every Ironman setup is just a little bit different, but this one had one transition. So we would do the swim. We would come into the transition area where our bike was and all of our gear was at go out on the bike after the bike, come into that transition area again, get our running gear that was sitting by our bike and go out on the run. So we had one transition area that we came in and out of for the day. So I headed into transition. It was really dark, had to pump up my tires. So you guys, it was really, really hot in Texas the day before, actually, when I dropped my gear, my bike off, it was 90 or a little over 90. And the volunteers who were amazing, um, were there in the transition while we were setting up and one, you know, came over and said, Hey, we're really, um, advising everyone to deflate their tires a little bit on their bike because, um, when they're pumped to full capacity, like they would be normally sitting, waiting for you to ride when the heat comes they're they're going to pop today during the middle of the afternoon when it's hot. So you need to deflate your tires a little bit. And this made me a tiny bit nervous because I, you know, I've ridden bike a lot, but I'm not really good at the technical stuff I'm trying to learn, which is something I'll talk to you about as I head into the bike course here in the race report, um, how I prepared myself for technical difficulties. But I, so I was a little nervous about that, but I, you know, let some air out, asked another volunteer, you know, Hey, can you look, I've never done this before. Like, did I let enough out? I don't know. Um, and so they checked it for me and that's lesson number two is to listen to wise counsel and ask questions. So I could have been proud there, right. Had this pride of like, Oh my goodness, I'm among some, you know, hundreds of other iron men. They've done this before. They know what to do with their tires. I don't want to look stupid. I'm not going to ask. And I thought, no way I need to be humble enough to say, Hey, I don't really know what this should look like. Can you give me some direction? So got a volunteer to help me with that, got everything set up. So the next morning when we got to transition, it was really dark and I had to put my tires back up hadn't thought about this. So I didn't have a light. <laughs> so found a pump, pumped him up. Wasn't sure that that was, you know, that I did it correctly. Again, stepped out of my comfort zone, went up and found someone, Hey, can you, you know, shine your light on my tires? Can you take a look? Does this look good? Can you help me out? So I got my gear all set up, left my transition area and headed down to the swim. So one thing that I did with my Ironman, because this was my first one, um, of course I love goal setting and you guys know, if you hang out with me, we talk about breaking a big goal and then breaking it down into mini goals, right? Having a plan to accomplish the goal. So I had several goals for my Ironman. The first one of was of course to finish, 
Like we get 17 hours to finish. I wanted to finish the Iron Man. That was my number one goal. Um, but I had a goal for a specific overall time. I had a goal set for the time of each event for how I wanted to do the swim, how fast the bike, how fast the run. I had a goal of making sure that I followed through on my nutrition plan, even when it wasn't going to be comfortable for me that I would going to, that I was going to follow my nutrition plan. I had a goal that I wanted to run the entire marathon portion. I didn't want to walk. I was going to run. So I had many micro goals and then my overarching goal as well. Um, so I wanted to finish. I wanted to do my swim, my transitions. I wanted for a particular time, the bike time, the run time, my total time, and then follow my nutrition plan and walk the entire marathon. Those were all the goals that I had. So I started off the day with the swim, um, ended up not wearing a wetsuit. So for those of you who have ever done any open water swimming, if you wear a wetsuit, it gives you a little buoyancy, which is just really nice if you're not comfortable swimming in open water. Um, but this would be lesson number three for you that when you find yourself somewhere in your journey, whatever that journey is for you right now, whether it's a small business journey or a personal journey, or, you know, a friendship or a family journey, if you find yourself in an area where you're not comfortable, that you need to find a way to train yourself to be comfortable, right? Find a way to train yourself, to prepare yourself with the skills you need. So I knew that open water swimming would be the scariest part for me. Um, I've swam since I was a little kid, but open water swimming is different. And when you're with hundreds and thousands of people swimming over the top of you, I did not want to be frightened or panicked. And so I've been practicing open water swimming whenever I had a chance all summer, pushing myself to find ways to swim in the open water. So I registered for a couple races this summer, did a couple things just on my own at the lake, all different kinds of water, water I could see clearly to the bottom, water that was nasty with seaweed, water that was cold, water that was warm, like push myself in every possible way because we can never prepare for everything right? Something can go wrong. Something inevitably will go wrong. We can't prepare for everything, but we can prepare for what we know we can prepare for. And so tried my, my best to set myself up for success. Um, and the water was too warm in Texas because of the heat. And so it was not wetsuit legal. And while you were still able to wear a wetsuit, um, if there was a qualification spot because of your ranking, um, in your race finish, you would not be eligible for that if you wore a wetsuit. So I decided not to wear a wetsuit. I thought, you know what I've practiced, I've practiced all summer. I'm capable. I'm consistent with my time. I can swim. And so took off in the swim and I remember swimming, the water was warm and just thinking, this is such a blessing. This swim is awesome. It's warm. I hate being cold. It's warm. I had room. I wasn't being trampled in the water by other people. And I just really enjoyed the swim. And so that's my biggest takeaway um, of remembrance from the swim portion is just feeling like, you know what? I deserve to be here in this water because of the work that I put in this summer. And I'm just going to, you know, dig in and I'm going to find my rhythm and I'm just going to go. So got out of the swim, headed into transition one. Um, had gotten some good advice the day before on just dumping out. We have two gear bags. We have a run gear bag and a bike gear bag because you can't have anything sitting on the ground. Um, you only your bike and your two bags. So I dumped out my, my, um, bike gear bag 
this is something that I've learned about myself. I am very forgetful. I am not someone that does really great with the details. And so I have learned to find hacks and ways to keep myself organized. And I knew that if I just dug in my bag for things, I would forget them. I would be hyper. I would be ready to rock and roll and I would not slow down enough to just, okay, what do I need before I get on that bike? So I dumped everything out. So it was right in front of me took a look at everything, got my gloves on, put my socks on, got my nutrition, got everything set up, grabbed my bike and off I went. So the bike ride, I loved the bike. That was my favorite event of the day. We um, actually got to ride the toll road there. They closed off the highway, the toll road. And it was, it was like riding on a racetrack. It was amazing. And so we went about 12 miles or 20 miles or so, I think through town to get on the highway. And then we had 20 miles out. Then we turned around, came 20 miles back. And then we did that again. So then another 20, another 20 back. And then we finished it off with the 112 going through town back to transition. So, um, I had done research about the race, read about it, watched, you know, what other people were saying, those that had done it before. And a lot of people talked about the wind, um, and then just watching out for obstacles on the highway, the way that the road, um, comes together and so forth. So that was something that I was thinking about. And I knew that I needed to, um, to really follow my nutrition plan. So I had hired a nutritionist to help me. Um, this is going to be a lesson we, we talk about later on today. Um, but I had hired a nutritionist to help me. And, um, the main thing was remembering to use the bike to fuel the rest of my day. So on the run, you can't be drinking a lot and eating a lot. It just doesn't work well when you're running, but on the bike, you can use that time to drink what you need to, to eat what you need to. And so I had a plan put in place. I knew it was going to be really hot. So I had enough sodium in my liquid. I had electrolytes. I had a certain amount of liquid that I would drink every hour. And then a certain amount of calories I would intake, um, with gels and food and things like that, that I had on my bike. Um, and so I just fell into my routine of this is how I've trained, um, watching my power, my speed, knowing, um, how those two things work together, remembering what my coach, my running coach or my triathlon coach had said, you know, don't push yourself so crazy on the bike that you, you know, Peter out for the run. Um, and so we had that plan. So I just stayed in place and I knew after, um, doing research and just like listening to how other people had made their way through Texas Ironman in previous years that it could be windy. Um, but if you remember, I am used to flat and windy and that's how I had trained here in North Dakota. A lot of days when I rode, it was 17 to 24 mile an hour winds. So I'm <laughs> no, no stranger to the wind. And so while others really struggled on the bike course, the wind actually got up to like eight miles an hour. So not even that bad, but heading out, there's no protection because you're on the highway. So you, we would ride straight into the wind, but then we'd come back with the wind at our back. And I remember thinking, you know what? It's 20 miles. That's an hour for me, about an hour. It's only an hour. So I'm going to ride out for 20 miles. And yes, it's not the most fun to ride into the wind, but I've done things way harder than this before. And guess what? When I turn around, I get to have the wind at my back. So I'm talking to myself on the run or on the bike, excuse me, and just working my way through that, make that turn. Of course, I fly back on the bike, did the loop again. And part of training for an endurance sport like this is really understanding how to train your mind to be on your team. And that is not something original to me. This is something my coach told me about a week before the race when we were doing one of our last coaching calls. And she said, Sierra, we got to make sure that on race day, your mind is on your team. 
you cannot race your Ironman if the only part of you on your team is your body. You've got to have your mind on your team as well. And how much does that apply to us as small business owners? We can have all the tools. We can have an amazing team of employees. We can have family that supports us. But when we doubt ourselves, when our mind is not on our team with us, we are so, we are capable of so much less than we could be capable of, right? And so um, my mind and my body were both on my team on that bike. And I just knew, hey, you know what? This isn't fun on the second loop, but guess what? I've done this before. I just did it a couple hours ago. I can keep going. And I know when I get to that turnaround, I'm going to cruise and just enjoy the bike on the way back into transition. And so turned the corner there for that last 20 and then that last 12 and just rode home. And I felt awesome and strong and amazing. And I just really, really loved that bike. So I headed into transition, dumped my next bag out, my running bag, um, took a look at everything, got all set up, got my nutrition, stuck it in my tri kit, took off my bike shoes, exchanged those out, all that good stuff, and then headed out for the run. And I was feeling really good as I headed into the run portion of the Ironman. Um, in fact, I had written down on my arm, my game plan for the run, um, what I was going to do for the first six miles. And then what I was going to do for the next 10 miles. And then what I was going to do for the last 10.2 miles and the paces I was going to run. And I had figured out that if I could break it into this section, which I had done in training, if I could break it down like this, um, I would complete the Ironman in the time or the, the run and the overall Ironman in the time that I had wanted. So I was feeling really good. I had to kind of slow myself down, um, you know, headed out a little too fast. So slow myself down. The unfortunate thing is I never sped up again. So about six miles in, I started to get really sick. So sick to my stomach, dizzy, really lightheaded, um, in fact, I was walking through one of the aid stations and a couple people, <laughs> volunteers were like, are you, okay? are you okay? Can we put some ice down your back? Can we put some water on your head? Um, and so I let them do that. And I thought, you know what? I am so sick to my stomach. I have to walk. If I don't walk, I'm going to lose it. And I don't want to be pulled out of the race because of that. So, um, so I decided I had to walk and it was really discouraging you guys, because my swim had been amazing. My transitions were on goal. My bike, although it was short, a little bit of the goal, it was very close to my time. Like I had felt so good. And now I was in that final leg. And my goal had been to run the entire thing. And I found myself walking, but the lesson here is twofold. First of all, I kept moving forward, even though I did not feel good. I did not stop. I was like one foot in front of the other. I'm going to walk till I feel better. And then I'm going to run again, right? Moving forward. Even when you don't feel like it in your business, you know what to do. And just let your mind kick in and mechanically do what you know you need to do sometimes, even if you don't feel like it. When you need to check those numbers, when you need to enter those numbers into your weekly spreadsheet, when you need to take a look at that profit and loss, and even though you don't feel like doing it, putting one foot in front of the other, just taking that step and doing what you know you need to do and doing it to the best of your ability at that moment is what's key. And so that's a lesson that I pulled away right then and there. And then the second would be as I'm walking, 
someone walked up next beside me. His name was John. He said, Hey, I'm John. I've been following you for a while. Cause you kind of run in groups so that, you know, where people are, a lot of them are paced the same as you. Some people pass you, you pass some people, but you kind of run in a group, if you will, you know, where like you're similar running pace. And he's like, I've been following you for a while. How are you doing? Is your knee hurting? Cause I was wearing a knee brace that had been really bothering me during training. And so <laughs> that day my knee did not hurt at all. Funny enough. It was, it was my stomach that wasn't doing so hot, but I was like, no, it's actually not my knee. I just don't feel well. And I said, I'm so disappointed. I really was planning to run, even if it was slow, I was just going to run the whole marathon. And he started talking to me, you know, this is the the 10th one I've done. And, you know, and I was asking him questions and he was just sharing with me, just distracting me. Um, and as we're walking, another Ironman participant ran up next to us and said, Hey, I, you know, overheard you. So he must've been running behind us for a little while. He's like, I overheard you. And he said, do you know what they call someone that does the Ironman and walks through the finish? And I was like, mm, no, what? He said, an Ironman. And that was so awesome. And off he went. And I think as small business owners, we forget that even though sometimes our progress is slower than the person in front of us. Even though where we are in our journey might not look like where we wanted to be at the moment, that we are entrepreneurs. We are small business owners. We are amazing women doing amazing things. And so my lesson here is when those around you come alongside you and give you those words of encouragement, take those words to heart. Don't brush them off. Walk alongside that person that wants to just share in your journey for the moment. Listen to that person that says, you've got this. I believe in you and keeps on going, right? And so I walked alongside John for a while and finally said, hey, you know what? You really helped me settle my stomach. I'm going to try to run a little bit. And he's like, let me run with you. So we started running and he's like, hey, you know, keep, I'm going to drop back. He goes, keep up that pace. You'll be done before dark. And let me go on my way. And I never saw him again. I didn't look at his bib number. I wish I would have, but didn't look at his bib, bib number. And so, um, you know, wasn't able to find him afterwards, but I think it's just super cool in life when God sends those people, those right people at the right moments to give us what we need, that little bit of strength. Right. So I started running again. And then that was kind of the rest of my day. It was run until you feel really sick stop, settle down your stomach. I had my routine as I went through each aid station, grab a little water, a little Gatorade, a little bit of flat Coke, um, drink those three things. And I mean, a little bit like sip. So I knew I was getting dehydrated too, but my stomach just wouldn't handle any more than that. So I did what I could. And then I would, once it settled, I would run until it got really unsettled. And then I would walk again and I'm not going to lie. It was a little discouraging watching my watch. I'm like, well, there goes the time, you know, that I wanted to finish at. Maybe I can get, you know, half an hour later and oh, nope, it's going to be an hour now. Right. So just watching that clock move by, but I kept moving forward and, um, and kept moving myself towards that finish line, had amazing family and friends all along the route, um, that place themselves particular spots and they would cheer for me as I went by. And then I'd have some time to myself again in between those cheering locations, but, um, just kept moving forward. So I was almost at the end and I was like, okay, so I'm going to 
really try to run the next two miles and then I'll walk a little if I don't feel good. And then I'm going to run the last two miles in started running was like, okay, this is not a good idea. Can't do this. So stopped and walked again. Um, but I thought I have to run in at the end. Like I can do a mile cause I'll be done. And then if I need to, you know, stop, I'm, I'm going to be done. Right. So it is what it is. So decided to run in that last little leg and the most exciting part for me for the day. So many people say when they do the Ironman that they love hearing their name called, you know, at the end, Sierra, you're an Ironman for me. That was cool. But for me, the absolute coolest part of the entire event was running up the chute and having hundreds of people who know nothing about me, who will never see me again in their life, cheering me to finish. So amazing to run down that carpet and have people pushing you to greatness, people that you will never get to meet that want you to succeed and finish. So amazing. Um, and so I would say this would be the next lesson that I'd love for you to pull out of today's podcast is to make sure that in your journey, you're surrounding yourselves with those people that maybe they know a little about you. Maybe they know a lot, but they want you to succeed because we have an opportunity to be surrounded with all sorts of people, (laughs) some who don't really care. They're apathetic to our journey, some who want us to win. And then there's some of those people that we choose to surround ourselves with that are constantly pulling us down, that are telling us, hey, Sierra, you planned on running, you're walking, look at you, right? What if the course had been filled with, instead of cheerleaders, those that said, oh my goodness, looks like you don't feel good. The guy in front of you just took off. That'd be nice, but you can't do it. You don't look too great, right? We would never participate in a race like that. And we would never put up with being around people like that if we were participating in an event, but we do that in our small business journey. And so I would just encourage you be around those people who cheer you on, who pound the wall, who yell and hoot and holler and scream and say, you have got this. I believe in you. You are almost there. You can do it. Pick up the pace. You've got it. So finish the race. Really cool. They have, um, catchers that you're, that are assigned to you. So as you come through, as soon as your time, you know, you come through with your time, someone comes up to you, grabs you, um, says, congratulations, you're done. You're an Ironman gives you your finisher t-shirt and your hat, um, walks you over, gets you your medal, gets you to the photography station. Like they just kind of, this person assigned to you is very cool. Um, kind of walks you through and then says, okay, I'm handing you off and there's the food, the nutrition, um, you know, congratulations. And then they go and grab a new person. So that was a really neat experience. I couldn't eat anything. I went into the food tent and did grab stuff for later, but I just, my stomach was not having it. So, um, grab some, some Sprite and started sipping on that event, uh, a bit. Um, and then just, you know, found my friends and family took pictures, all the good stuff and started getting sore. So it's amazing what our bodies can do when we keep moving. But then as we stop, everything starts to tighten up. Right. Um, and so started getting a little tight and sore and stiff, but we headed back to the house, um, to clean up and celebrate and all of those good things. Um, the last couple lessons I would have for you guys in closing today are these, first of all, 
have your A goal and then have your smaller goals. So while I didn't run the entire marathon, I did finish an Ironman, right? My A goal, my big goal to complete an Ironman and I did it. And while not everything was perfect in my day, I could enjoy the day. I could enjoy the process. And I made the overarching A goal, which was to complete an Ironman. So as you're building your business, have those big goals, but then have smaller goals too. Because while I didn't, you know, run the entire marathon portion, I did swim my swim goal time. I did make my goals in transition for those times. Um, You know, I did follow my nutrition plan. I made that goal on the bike. I came very close to the time goal I had set for myself on the bike. So I had my big goal. I had a lot of smaller goals and just having those pieces of the puzzle that I could put together helped me keep pushing forward throughout the day. And then just remember that you can do hard things. This would be the last lesson. You can do hard things. You can build the business that you've always wanted. You can pay yourself consistently. You can hire a team. You can open a second location. You can launch in the first place, right? You can close your brick and mortar and go online or vice versa. You can do hard and amazing things. But the key to being successful with those things is to set yourself up for success by having the coaches, the tools, the right equipment or the right systems and processes in place. When I knew that I wanted to do an Ironman, when I signed up, I signed up for an Ironman and literally the next day I started looking for a coach because while I can coach people on their numbers, on profit first, on QuickBooks, on business, I've never done an endurance race. And I knew that, yes, I could go online. I could download a free, you know, coach to Ironman training plan. And while many do that and that works for them, I wanted to be successful at what I was going to do. And I knew I needed a coach. And so I signed up for my Ironman. And the next thing I did is I chose to invest myself by finding a coach who had number one, done an Ironman herself. And number two is female. Those are the two things that I really wanted that I knew I needed. I wanted a coach that had been there and done that. I did not want a coach that just, you know, used to do athletics in college, or maybe they do at triathlons, all of those fine things. I wanted a coach though, that had done an Ironman. I wanted someone that knew how to train, that knew what it felt like, that knew the joy of the day, that knew the pitfalls that they could, pitfalls that they could um, talk to me about ahead of time, right? And so as you are building your business, don't just say, I'm going to open this business and I'm going to grow and I'm going to do these things and then not set yourself up for success by going 100% of the way and hiring a coach that has actually owned a boutique business that has won and lost and built and grown and failed and succeeded to help you avoid the pitfalls, to help set you up for success. And then I bought the right equipment. I didn't go halfway on that either. I'm not going to in, you know, enroll myself or sign up for an Ironman, pay for a coach, and then have a crappy bike to ride on that's going to fall apart and won't let me, you know, ride to my full potential. I'm not going to run all my training runs and my full marathon in an old pair of tennis shoes because I don't, you know, I went 95% of the way by signing up, doing the work, hiring a coach, but now I don't want to spend a hundred dollars on a really good pair of running shoes that will fit my feet and take me across the finish line. And so many boutique owners that I see do this 
you invest so much time and energy and money, your life savings, your family income, your income earning potential into your business. And then you go 80% of the way you show up every single day. You do the hard work. You're great with your customers. You might even go so far as to hire a coach, but yet you won't put the, the foundational pieces in place. You won't have an accounting system. You won't learn to read a financial the way that you should. You won't be willing to dig into the numbers, even though it's scary and it's hard. You go 90% or 95% of the way instead of a hundred percent of the way to set yourself up for success. So my last lesson from this Ironman, from the training and the event day itself would be sign up to do the hard thing. You can do the hard thing. You're wired and created to do hard things. I believe in you. And then get a coach that has understood where you are because they were there, that understands where you want to be because they have made it there themselves. Hire them, listen to them, and then get the correct processes and systems in place so that you can get to where you need to and want to be with your business because you're setting yourself up for ultimate success. So that is my Ironman report. It was amazing. I've already signed up for another one. Just saying, you know, I got to beat my time now. So (laughs) you guys know I'm so goal driven. I couldn't leave it at that and not run off the full marathon at the end. And there's a couple of time things I didn't make that I want to. So I've got to do it again. I got to better, better myself and better that race, but it was an amazing first Ironman experience. Thank you for all of those of you. And I know there's hundreds of you listening that were part of my cheering team while you weren't there physically. I absolutely went into race day knowing and feeling that you were behind me and that you were invested in my day. And that meant so much to me. Thanks for following me um, on the whole journey this summer as I was training and blogging and talking about the different things I was learning. So hopefully you found this podcast to be helpful, a little bit different than normal, but I wanted to share my journey and just how it relates to your journey in small business as well. So if you are one of those listening that doesn't have a coach yet, I would love to be that coach for you. So there's different ways that you can work with me from my group membership program, the Boutique Workshop all the way to a VIP one-on-one day where you and I sit down for five hours together and we completely set up all of your systems and processes and get a plan in place for you to grow your business. So whether you're more on the, I just need a little bit of help, I'd love to be part of a group where I can learn and grow in a really cost-effective way, or I'd love some one-on-one help. I'd love some coaching calls on my calendar, holding me accountable, or I just want to dig in and get it done, Sierra. Wherever you find yourself, I am here to help you with that. So the best way to connect with me to see how you and I might work well together would be to shoot me an email, hello at sierrastockland.com or jump over to my website, theboutiqueworkshop.com. There you'll find an application for coaching if that's more what you're looking for. Or you can look at some free masterclasses I have, the Inventory Genius Masterclass or the Profit First Masterclass. You can find out more information about the Boutique Workshop membership. Um, In any way that I can help you, I would love to be that coach, helping you set up your plan for success, being your cheer person to get you across the finish line and just helping you watch your business blossom and grow. Thank you so much for joining me today. We'll see you again next Tuesday.
Hey boutique friend, sometimes you just need a fresh set of eyes on your business. And while I'd love nothing more than to travel to you, spend the day with you in your boutique and put together some bite-sized actionable steps right there at your counter, I know that that's probably not very doable. And so that's why I've launched the Boutique Audit. Yes, a personalized audit for you and your boutique business. You'll start by filling out a tailored form that gives me all of the details and information on your business, whether you're online, brick and mortar, or a combination of both. After I've looked through your business information, I'll put together a one-page action plan along with a personalized walkthrough video that will give you specific bite-sized actionable steps that you can take to create more revenue and move the needle forward. I'd love to do this deep dive in your boutique business. So head on over to theboutiqueworkshop.com, click on the store and find the Boutique Audit product. Once you sign up, we'll be on our way. So head on over to theboutiqueworkshop.com. I cannot wait to do your audit. See you there. Hey, thanks again for joining me today for the Boutique Workshop Podcast. Remember, that podcast was first recorded live over in the Boutique Collective Facebook group. So if you're not a member of that group yet, I want to give you a warm invitation to come on over and join us in the Boutique Collective. You'll find the link for that Facebook group along with all other information or links that I shared during this podcast in the show notes. And can I ask you for one more small favor? Before you're done here today, would you be willing to share this podcast with another boutique owner that could use the information or support? And even better yet, if you loved what you heard, would you be willing to give us an awesome rating or review? That really helps spread the word as we grow the boutique workshop and bring information, support, and community to boutique owners around the country. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye.